part of what I think makes our system work so well with kids who struggle in this way is that it allows them to know that they can be successful. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Pudua, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. As we take a break from recording, we have chosen to replace several of our greatest hits for you to enjoy. We hope that you are able to gain insight for your educational journey. So continuing the topic of special needs, we today come to ADHD. ADHD. Oh, you know what? Um, Can I just be right back? (laughs) I think we all suffer a little bit from ADHD. Right. I like to think that it's actually, I'm blessed and cursed with ADHD. And I'm not sure I've never been diagnosed, but I believe I can get a lot done because my attention often deviates from one task to another pretty quickly and I enjoy doing lots of different things all at the same time. You wonder if the case where kids who didn't do well in school but end up becoming very successful entrepreneurs and high energy types, you wonder if there isn't that the gift, and someone needs to write the book, The Gift of ADD, you know. Right. We got the gift of dyslexia down, but the gift of ADD. There is that problem though of having to learn to concentrate and being able to control your eyes and your brain and your mind and your hands and your body and it is definitely harder for some people than others right and I definitely have personal experience not just as an adult that wink suffers with ADD but my own son one of my sons I have three boys and actually ADHD, which the H stands for hyperactivity, so you can have ADD without the hyperactivity associated with it. But one of my boys did have ADHD. I don't know that it was formally diagnosed, but we did have a conversation with the pediatrician about it. And his prognosis, his prescription, actually was very simple. Well, I understand you're homeschooling, right? Yes, best thing for him. So I just walked out of there going, oh, great. Now what do I do with this kid? And the joy of having only boys is I can say one of my sons, and no one actually knows which, <laughs> which one I'm one talking, you're talking about. about. <laughs> right. But we definitely had busy boys. And this one in particular, I had a really hard time getting him to sit still. In fact, I took measures because I didn't know better. I was a school teacher now teaching my children at home. I didn't know that letting them stand up while they worked or letting them move around while they're reading was a thing. I didn't know that was okay. So I would take my husband's belt and not strap him with it, but I would tie him, like belt him to a chair just to remind him to stay in his chair, to do his work, to do his (laughs) copy work, to do whatever it is that we were working on. And he would try to stand up and he'd be reminded, oh, that's right. I've got this belt here. So I'm happy to report that that boy who grew up to be a man is now successful and gets to work at a stand-up desk. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, you wonder if we were to put the stand-up desk phenomenon, make that available to students in right. schools. You know, that could possibly revolutionize the thing. One of the things you were mentioning is that the dyslexia dysgraphia tends to be equally distributed mm-hmm. among boys and girls. I would guess, though, that the ADD symptoms, ADHD, is much higher on the boys' side. Well, and actually that's true. According to the National Resource on ADHD, of the 9.5% of children ages 4 to 17 who were diagnosed with ADD, of that, most of them are boys. Mm-hmm. So 13% of our population of boys are ADHD, whereas only 5% of our girls have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's a good moment to point out that we have that talk, teaching boys and other children who would mm-hmm. rather be making forts all day. Right. And going over some of that seminal work of Dr. Leonard Sachs, who wrote Why Gender Matters, Boys Adrift, Girls on the Edge, and the fact that there really are very valid statistical generalizations about the differences between boys and girls, right. how we hear differently, see differently, handle stress and pain very differently, and that moving is a way that males will regulate stress. So Mm -hmm. standing up, walking around, pacing are all very common behaviors in males, whereas women under stress will tend to kind of curl up in a ball. Right. And let's not ignore the fact that school is stressful, whether you're teaching at home or in a classroom. It is a stressful time. We need to allow our children to dissipate that stress somehow. It's also funny to do teacher training and be the teacher of a room full of teachers Mm -hmm. because very quickly you and they realize this is a long time to be sitting here. Right. (laughs) I'm not used to this. Teachers are moving around constantly, whereas the students are expected to stay in one place so they're manageable and controllable. And, of course, that that is hard for the easily distracted child. I don't know when this term attention deficit disorder first came into being. I would guess that it's been a challenge for children throughout history. Right. And probably in the old, old days, it was treated basically with the strap. Not the one where you strap the kid into the chair, but the one where he's punished, physically punished, for not controlling his body. Right. And that probably left many people very scarred. We don't, of course, do that today anymore. But we still have the easily distracted, the kid who wants to move around a lot. Unfortunately, it appears the most common thing is to use drugs. Yes. Which have various side effects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a discussion that's above my pay grade. I I don't go into that area only to say that many medical doctors do believe that those ADD, ADHD drugs are way over-prescribed and that it is not the best first course of treatment. Right. And you, you know, because of my own background with my, one of my sons, and I found out later, we found out later that actually two of my three boys have ADHD. We didn't find out the other one until he was an adult. So they both have this challenge. And what is this challenge? Well, if you don't mind, let me just describe to you how it was described to me. And that is what we feel normally 
and I'm saying we as part of the normal population, not we pretending to have ADD, what we normally experience, we are able to filter out sensation. We can focus on you know, what someone's saying without paying attention to everything going on in the room, the light flickering, the buzz, the feel of the clothing on our skin, the fact that the person next to me is tapping on their chair, you know, all these different things. I can filter these Mm -hmm. out and look at you nodding at me. Whereas someone with ADHD cannot. They're experiencing all of those sensations at once. And how it was described to me was the person who is helping you in your brain filter those things out is asleep. And so Mm. what these drugs are actually doing is stimulating Mm. your brain so that this part of your brain wakes up so that you're able to filter out. So you've got ADHD kids who are essentially being prescribed stimulants to get their brain to wake up so that they know how to filter out the extraneous sensations. Mm. And sometimes that may be the best option. And sometimes maybe it isn't. But... Our topic, of course, would be language development. Right. What do we at IEW do to help with listening and speaking, reading and writing and thinking? Right. And of course, it's that auditory environment, that highly distractible child in an auditory environment is going to get less from a conversation, is going to be able to remember and understand less from something that they're reading than a person who's not so highly distracted. Right. So one thing I I think we do is, again, breaking a complex process of writing into small, manageable chunks. Right. Part of the whole ADD, ADHD world is being overwhelmed. Mm, Yes, absolutely. Continuously overwhelmed. Now we're going to throw this piece of paper at you and say, out of the chaos of your world find something that you can write about right and that they're just dead in the water mm-hmm. you, they can't turn off the world long enough to hear what's going on inside and if they could they've got to remember that long enough and so of course those are going to be the kids who are most likely to say i can't do this i don't right. know what to write i can't think of anything mm-hmm. so our system teaching writing structure and style we begin by saying here's the content retell this existing content focus in Mm -hmm. this is all you have to worry about Mm -hmm. you don't have to swim around in the world of infinite distraction and ideas here's a source text choose three keywords Mm -hmm. you can do that Mm -hmm. copy the words you chose you can do that do it again okay you're finished now read the words you chose remember the idea tell it back you can do that And so it takes then that overwhelm and breaks into small steps. And then we continue on. Okay, now write the sentence you just told yourself. Okay, you can do that. Okay, once that's easy. Now choose an LY adverb from this list that will work in one or more of these sentences. Okay, you can do that. Part of what I think makes our system work so well with kids who struggle in this way is that it allows them to know that they can be successful. Right. And and I can say, you can do that. But what they're really getting is, I did that. I did that. I, know, I completed that. I can that. do that. I was successful. And from a motivational perspective, that's the absolute key. Right. Is if you try to do something and fail, you don't want to do it again. Right. But if you try something, 
even a simple little thing and have success, you want to do the next thing. You want to do it again. Okay, now I'm going to describe what you just shared, creating the keyword outline and then rewriting it on paper with the L-Y word, how it would work with an ADHD student and the mom. Okay. Okay. So the mom reads the paragraph to the child. They're kind of reading it together. And then he goes and runs around the house for five minutes or whatever, because he's done. But now we remember where he left off and we're going to create a keyword outline from the first sentence. And he's going to underline the keywords so that he remembers where he was, where he left off. He's going to put that on that keyword outline, number one, next to the Roman numeral one, and he's going to run around again. And and going on and on. And and the nice thing about it is you remember where you left off. Right. You underline the words. You're tracking from the source text to the page without getting lost in all the chaos. You can be having all this chaos going on and around your brain, but still remember where you are. That L-Y word that you picked from a list, you just circle it and you copy it very carefully and you have success and you say, I can do this. Yep. That's the ADHD And, and that child. continues through all nine units. Exactly. You're not going to get lost. You know what to do next. Mm-hmm. You can leave and come back mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. I'm also kind of thinking about, you know, a lot of teachers and parents are trying to use this mind mapping oh, type right. of system for pre-writing. Yes. And I often will, you know, get questions about that. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's not an intrinsically bad thing. But two things that people should understand about it. Number one, it was never designed for children. It was designed at the University of California, Berkeley, for adult students right. Right, to help them brainstorm and, and then organize ideas on paper. Well, okay, then the education people got a hold and said, well, let's do it in high school. Didn't work quite as well. Well, we better start it earlier in middle school. Didn't work quite as well. Well, let's start it in elementary school. No one who's nose-to-nose with nine-year-olds all day would ever have come up with that system to help them organize ideas. Especially a nine-year-old ADHD child. The fox and the grapes becomes space stations on the moon when you're mind mapping. It's all over (laughs) the place. It's all over the place. And that kind of chaotic visual organization serves least the children who need organizational help the most. Right. Whereas with our system... Even in Unit 7, when we are doing inventive writing Mm -hmm. and you're writing about your trip to Disneyland or Mm -hmm. you're writing about aliens from the planet Zoog or your dog or whatever, still working in that linear fashion. Right. Okay. First question, hear the answer, put it into keywords. Next question, hear the answer, put it into keywords. You've got seven answers to seven questions. You ask yourself, good, now you can write a paragraph. Okay, do that again if you need to. Taking the huge complex thing breaking into the very small activities that can be done. And and that system that's very linear will naturally help that child stay organized. Right. Whereas when you do that kind of shotgun of words all over the, the page, it's kind of like, well, now what? You know, <laughs> exactly. All over the place. That, that is kind of a visual representation of the chaos of a busy mind yes (laughs) which is not bad no but it would almost require another step i did pre-writing now i got to figure out what to do with all that stuff Mm -hmm. that right there could be overwhelmed so i think our very linear system serves best the children who need organization the most and it doesn't handicap anyone absolutely you see these very 
talented writers, creative, they'll have a linear outline. They'll just decide to reorganize on the fly. They're mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, be handcuffed or limited by that. But boy, is it nice for the little guys who just need to know, okay, what do I do first? What do I do second? Go away. Come back. Where was I? What do I do next? And just a little bit about my story again, just because this is so near and dear to my heart. I didn't discover the brilliance of the structure and style approach to teaching writing until my little guy was 11 or 12 years old. And so we did spend many years struggling with the blank brain. And and I wondered, is he smart? Is there something else going on here? I know you laugh now because you know him and you know how, how smart he really is. And And it was really, truly this writing method that helped bring order to the chaos so that he was able to demonstrate that he, actually he's not just smart, but smarter than both of his parents. And just we've had a great joy in being able to organize his thinking so that he can demonstrate what he knows. Well, and that's part of what we're all about. Mm-hmm. And, and again, there's a spectrum. Right. Right. There's kids who are so ADHD, they're really not going to stay in one spot long enough to do anything. Mm-hmm. And that could be a severe case. And you may have to accommodate for that with technology. Right. That's pretty rare. On the other end is the, the child who, who's okay, but just internally is distracted. Right. And how to learn to focus. And of course, it is one of those things where you do have to exercise your willpower over your mind, over your your body. Uh, you have to learn how to focus. And part of that is really, truly up to the parents to provide that mommy control, that daddy control, until they learn that self-control. And that does take time. Mm-hmm. And it takes patience. Well, and I think that that writing actually can contribute mm-hmm. to developing that self-control. Right. I came across a, a fascinating thing called Retrain the Brain mm. by Jeanette Farmer, who okay. I think passed on just recently. But she developed a whole system to what she claimed treat ADD using a combination of handwriting, mm. cursive handwriting, and rhythmic music. Interesting. The rhythmic music would help to minimize the auditory distractions. Yes. And then the cursive handwriting forced, and and her thinking here, it forced increased attentiveness. So when you think about it, if you're an ADD kid and you write a letter, you're done. Right. (laughs) Okay. Next letter? Oh, man. Okay. Fine. But if you're writing in cursive... And you have to connect up your letters, then you have to essentially retrain yourself to extend your attention right. to the whole word rather than just the letter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have to remember to dot the I's and cross the T's. <laughs> and uh, her her whole thing, I mean, a bucket load of research. I mean, her book, when I got it, had a huge, huge appendix of research. And she claimed that you could actually get kids off drugs by retraining the brain with this combination of writing on paper and rhythmic music. And she provided the CDs of this particular type of music she recommended. So fascinating. Right. But there's a discipline to it. Mm -hmm. And of course, all of us are more easily distracted today than 
any time before in history. That's true. The technology, the busyness of life, the hyper-stimulation visually that most people experience continuously with screens and even on their jobs and phones that all the kids have. And, of course, we could do a whole discussion on whether pushing tablets and iPads into elementary grades classrooms is a good idea or not. Well, and we did talk about this a little bit when we did our pen and paper talk. Right. But certainly a lot of people are connecting an increase in diagnosed ADD and technology. Right. And there's a correlation there. Correlation. So maybe get rid of the screen and get a piece of paper and a pen and a source text and train the brain Mm -hmm. and benefit from that. Yeah, and not even just an academic setting, but just dinner conversation and not having the television on while you're doing your chores. Just kind of minimize the amount of chaos in your environment. I think as a family, we can do much to help our children that way. I think of your nature deficit disorder talk. Mm -hmm. I think you're teaching boys talk combined with our system of teaching writing combined with just even the understanding child brain development that we talked about in a previous podcast. That's something that we also did the cross lateral training. Mm. And I think that helps him actually learn to read by that time because he was able to train himself to sit long enough just based on those simple exercises. So Mm -hmm. A lot to all bring together that can help these special needs kids. Along the uh, lines of ADD, not specifically and always connected with it, you have auditory processing disorders. Right. Those are, I think, some of the most challenging circumstances because what you have is children not hearing language in the same way that the rest of us do. Yes. Sequencing yes. can get off. They can actually hear, I mean, it sounds weird to you and me because we can't do it, but they can actually hear words out of order. Mm-hmm. So then what happens? Language, English in particular, is a very sequential ordered language, and syntax and meaning are dependent on word order. Right. And so when you have that auditory processing issue, either where you're hearing things out of order, you don't remember what you just heard two seconds ago, that makes it very, very hard to acquire the language database that's going to allow for good communication skills, good speaking and good writing. I think of just giving instructions to this particular child. It was one directive at a time. We couldn't give him multiple directions eat your breakfast, brush your teeth, make your bed, he'd, he'd lose it. Mm. It'd be eat your breakfast, and what was next? And, right. and he'd forget to brush his teeth or something, you know. And but, again, I think this is an area where what we do mm-hmm. helps develop that. It doesn't solve the problem instantly. But when you have to read and then sequence and then speak and you have the sequence there, you're less likely to get lost or confused or forget, which means you're more likely to be successful in saying or writing whatever you want to. So again, that keyword outline becomes an an organizing tool for the mind that I think will carry on all the way into 
the later years when you have to do more in terms of invention or, or expressing your own thoughts or ideas, that discipline of outlining. Think first, then speak. Think first, then write. I don't know how many times, if, if I had a quarter for every time my father said to me, Andy, think before you speak. I probably could pay off my mortgage. Yes. <laughs> I evidently had a problem with that. But I would guess all boys do, all mm-hmm. children probably. We often find out what we're thinking by what we say, and that can kind of get us in trouble sometimes. Right. So right. this pre-think, the discipline of mental keyword outline <laughs> is even a good one. And I think it helps also with the building of the attention span and the auditory memory as well. Right. But it's a, it's a tough one. I yep. will admit that in working with kids who struggle with writing, dyslexic and dysgraphic with good auditory memory isn't nearly as challenging as auditory processing issues. Of course, if you combine those, then you really have some challenges and you just go back to basics too. Absolutely. And that going back to basics and employing some of the other strategies that we've talked about in the previous episodes, whether it be motivation, using games to motivate, Mm -hmm. uh, using the positive as well as the negative reinforcement, getting them outdoors, minimizing screens. You put that all together and you have the best opportunity to have a healthy, well-ordered child that will grow into a healthy, well-ordered adult, we can hope. With, that doesn't make excuses for their behavior. Oh, I have dyslexia, so therefore I cannot do something. We want them to be functioning members of society and contributing members of society. That's what every parent wants of their child. Well, and that's one of the great things about being old like us <laughs> and having adult children. Yes. <laughs> is we can look back and realize all those little things that we were so worried about, yeah. really, they don't really affect the big picture of who this person becomes right. as an adult. And whether you got through the math book by the end of the school year or not, it's really insignificant in the big picture. Right. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up this third of three episodes, speaking specifically about special needs, are there any concluding thoughts that you'd like to share? Well, we get a lot of feedback. You know, we get a lot of unsolicited testimonials of people who are so happy they took the time to learn the teaching, writing, structure, and style system and come back with stories which for them are almost like a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a miracle. I, I never thought he would be able to write a whole essay. And I, it's just tremendously gratifying to be part of this almost supernaturally powerful system to help parents who in so many cases have felt helpless and to help teachers who have to deal with this wide spectrum of aptitude in one room at the same time and that we have this system that is a tool that works universally well. It's so exciting when we hear these things and even we can become immune. Oh yeah, there's another great success story. (laughs) That's a everyday occurrence around here. We we have to not forget. Yes. great blessing it is yes it is and it's a great joy to provide these resources to 
these families with you. Yeah, and you know, if there's any listeners out there who are not with the program, so to speak, <laughs> just jump in. You've got nothing to right. lose, maybe a little bit of time. You've got everything to gain. We offer 100% unconditional money-back guarantee on everything we sell. And we have an extremely low returns rate, right. even given that unconditional guarantee. So I always say the biggest mistake you can make is to just not try. Right. Just jump in and start learning and things will improve. Right. Well, and let me just mention, we do have a special webpage just for special needs teachers and parents. It's IEW.com slash SPED, S-P-E-D. So IEW.com slash SPED. We've got lots of great helps and resources there. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the other challenges that parents might be facing. But kind of what we said all along, we're going to send you back to the products that we sell to everyone because they work for everyone. And we should do another talk, another podcast, on how our system helps the high talent, yep, super creative, imaginative child. Absolutely. It's scheduled. All right. Thanks so much for joining us for one of our favorite episodes. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or you can visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. New recordings will begin airing in January of 2020. Until then, we hope you'll join us each week as we revisit our greatest hits.